Welcome to CapeCast Audio 20. This is the 20-minute podcast, a weekly podcast from the City of Cape Coral. I'm Connie Barron. I'm the Public Information Director for the City of Cape Coral, and I host this program each week. Today, my guest is Todd King. Todd is our Special Events Coordinator, and boy, does he have a busy schedule. So, Todd, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk about special events, but before we do that, tell me what brought you down here to Cape Coral. Well, obviously, the beautiful sun and weather and, you know, liking paradise here in Cape Coral and uh, lots of opportunities to do great events for this city. How many special events are held each year that are solely sponsored by the city of Cape Coral? Okay. The city produces 15 events. Uh, all those events are, when I say produced, they are A to Z coordinated and produced by city staff, special events division, and um, we have what we would call major events, which is our signature event, Coconut Festival in November, and then we have a major event, which is our Sounds of Jazz and Blues uh, event, which happens here in the springtime, and then what we call our mid-major events, which are street festivals like our bike nights, our parades, and things like that. How many other events do we play a role in at least helping to coordinate? All of them. All of them? <laughs> yeah. Uh, generally, when people come to Parks and Recreation and talk with the Special Events Division, they've never done an event. They just want something to happen. And so what we end up doing relative to that is guiding them through the process, A, getting the permits they need, and then B, helping them with logistics. And then all the way to C sometimes where we're out there helping them set up and coordinating any city equipment or city responsibilities we may have out there. And there's no doubt that the special events uh, team is a very, very important part of any any plan that we put together. I know if another, another department says we need to, to do this, how can we do it best? Uh, the logical uh, response is go ask Todd. Right, or you know, who, who runs the parties for the city? They may know how to do this. And so we're invited to a lot of different planning where, where a particular department or somebody wants to do something special and uh, they don't have any resources or guidance, they, they engage us. And I refer to you as the special events team, but we're not talking about very many people. Right, well, you know, part of the Part of the reduction, we had to get leaner and meaner and uh, really identify what events were best fit for our, our community and as well as, you know, identify where we can be more most efficient. And with that, as a result of that, we've gotten, you know, down to a leaner, meaner staffing level and, um, you know, we're still keeping our service levels way up. And your staffing level is? Me and one other. <laughs> Two. <laughs> Two. Right. And, you know, I, I, everybody jokes with me all the time because we still call it the special events division. But, you know, we can be a light fighting force and still call ourselves a division. Well, and, and you just said you do 15 events with this team of two. Right. And you're talking from soup to nuts right. on planning those 15 right. special events. Um, why do you think special events are so important to the city of Cape Coral or to any community? Wow. Well, we sort of act as a PR firm for our community. Uh, if we're doing an event or we're supporting an event and it's going out regionally, the marketing's reaching regionally, uh, it is educating a lot of Southwest Florida about the neat activities and events that are going on in our city. That draws folks, number one. And then number two, 
you know, putting our best foot forward as a community when folks come or even folks just across the river come over and participate in something that we've put on or we're helping to put on um, is a reflection on all of us as a community. So that's why I think it's really, really important to support having community-wide special events. I think there's also an economic component too as well. You know, the Economic Development Office uh, has approached several on several events here recently because they realize that kind of is an engine or can be a level of an engine to get things uh, jump-started and uh, we're there 100% to support anything the Economic Development Office wants to put on. So with all that said, I think it's great marketing for our community. I think it reflects well when we do the events correct or in the highest professional level that we can. And the third thing is I think it's going to have a bounce-back impact on you know, the economy of our, our uh, area. And I know when we start talking about the city budget and planning for each budget year, the question will come up from someone in the public about the special events, and they want to know, well, do these events make money? And if they don't make money, why are we continuing to do them? And I think we have a pretty reasonable response to that. Right. Well, uh, we recover about 85% of our uh, um, subsi- of our investment. Um, the subsidy ends up being about forty-five dollars to $50,000 a year, which you know usually re- translates into you know, a little bit of both of our salaries to, to be able to do this. The impact of that dollar, it, you know, just resonates throughout the community. As you know, why do cities do Olympics? And I'm not saying we produce events at the level of, you know, the Olympics. There's that bounce around dollar value that, that comes into the community that has, you know, a lot of beyond what we can, we can measure. Uh, why do we build the Red Sox Stadium, and you know what what dollar does value does that have to our county? And I think you know m- measuring that is difficult. However, it's certainly felt as far as the economic impact goes. It's also an opportunity for the community to come together, and I think these special events really do draw uh, all all across the community, whether it's kids, whether it's adults, whether it's senior citizens, these these special events give our community an opportunity to come together and, and have some fun. Right. Certainly, my passion isn't making the money. <laughs> my passion is having the right kind of an event for the area that we have and just the happy faces and the folks coming out and the community pulling together and the the social impact that that has, that we're, we're in this together. You know, socially you can come together when you're fighting off a hurricane, mm-hmm. right? And we do as a community, but also socially we can come together when we're having an event and celebrating our community. So, you know, there's there's good reason to come together as, as a community. You mentioned the Coconut Festival, which is one of the larger events that you, you put together. What are some of the other city events? Okay, we do uh, the four bike nights, which is our street biker rally downtown Cape Coral. That's a big one. Yeah, those those go off four times a year. Um, we do the Veterans Day Parade. We do Movies in the Park, which is uh, an event that travels from different neighborhood parks throughout the city every other month that puts, you know, we put a movie on and it becomes a neighborhood gathering and uh, they come out and enjoy a feature film uh, in, in that particular neighborhood park. We do the Sounds of Jazz and Blues, which is a... Uh, cultural concert, you know, a blues and jazz event um, in partnership with the resort at Marina Village, which is our newest partner with our division. Um, we do the holiday boat along. 
which is the Holiday Lighted Boat Parade, which happens at Four Freedoms Park in Bimini Bay. We do Santa Land, which is our uh, lighted you know, family event and Meet Santa act event, which is a three-day event in December. Um, we do, do Kids the, Fest. The Kids Fest. Kids yep. Fest. We support the Kiwanis and, and partner with them on the Kids Fest at the end of October, uh, which is a safety fair slash kids activity event, which is a lot of fun for us to do. And then... Do you do the fishing derby and the turkey well, trot? or some of those, as I said, when we had our... Uh, our economic challenges, we had to evaluate some of those events and look at their value across how many people they're impacting, as well as the budgetary expense to actually produce that event. And some of them did fall off, or we successfully handed them over to an organization that wanted to take it over. That's good. So, for example, like Cinco de Mayo was an event we used to do in the spring, and uh, the Hispanic Chamber approached us, similar to how the Cape Coral Chamber does Red, White, and Boom, and we support that event 100%. Um, the Hispanic Chamber said, we would like a signature event to identify with, and they took over our Cinco de Mayo event, although we do support that event 100%. Right. See, takeover is kind of a, 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 a loose concept because literally we stand side by side with them in the production of that event and the city support that we provide and they rely very heavily on, on your expertise absolutely absolutely i mean they wouldn't be able to do it if we weren't there however the bulk of the investment comes out of the chamber rather than out of the city budget now the most popular one is that now the coconut festival i believe it is i think it draws large it draws regionally um, we do national rock and roll and country music at that particular event, we have elements for all the family members, from a Polynesian fire dance show to to uh, fireworks. So, I mean, you know, we theme that the Coconut Festival, and often we're challenged, you know, what do you have here that's made out of coconuts? And it's not based on that. It's our community going cocoa nuts <laughs> because we have all kinds of elements inside that event. How many years have we been doing the Coconut Festival? And I know that that was an idea, I believe, that came from you. Right. Well, it did start one year before me, but didn't quite get off the ground they wanted it. When I came here and, and began my, my position, they wanted a city signature event. And they thought the Coconut Festival had legs. And what I did was I you know, took that and you know, enhanced it, changed the budget a little bit on it, consolidated some resources so that we could put on what, they, what the city leaders wanted, which is a signature event that we could hang our hat on and folks regionally would come and participate in. It's usually over an extended weekend mm -hmm. in, uh, is it November? Yeah. Because yeah, sometimes it's like, some, you know, I thought it was in November. Yeah, we we pick November because we want to be the kickoff of season. Right. We don't want to be mid-season or the end of season. We want to be the kickoff for uh, why most of us moved here, which is November through April and that beautiful weather we have down here in Cape Coral. And Saturday night... Now, you do fireworks each night just about, and, mm -hmm. but Saturday night is the big draw night. That's when you have your basically your 80s rock band come right. in, and it's right. usually a national artist. And, and you've had some pretty good bands come in here. We have, and, you know, it's, it's fun. You know, it's almost because we do bill it mid-80s to, you know, late 80s, the, the bands that we book. It's almost prom for 15,000 people because <laughs> mom and dad are reliving prom and the kids are over participating in the carnival elements and things like that. And mom and dad are reliving prom at our concert. So it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's amazing that some of these bands sound as good as, if Absolutely. not better, 
if not as an, if not better. And the classics are the classics. I mean, anybody who listens to radio or has music can recognize a Journey song or can recognize you know a song from the mid to early to late '80s, and uh, it inspires them. You know, we are the champions and Queen, you know, different things like that. So uh, that's how we program it. You know, most kids at that age level are about the 12 to 14 years old, and they are comfortable in the carnival elements all by themselves, and mom and dad are reliving the, their I've high never, school I've years. I've never seen so many mid-50s men doing the, the head banging and the, and the fist pumping and the uh, singing along as I, as I do when I come to those Great Saturday time to night. cut loose is Coconut Festival for sure. Oh, it is. Survivor's still been my favorite so, so far, far when they were here. Night Great. Ranger did a pretty good job though last year. Night Ranger was, you know, they were very energized and, you know, surprisingly, they had, had no expectation coming into this event. And what I heard from the tour manager, and this is kind of good for your listeners to hear, is we laid out such a nice red carpet for them. I know that backstage, even in their green room in preparation for performance, they were adding songs. Though The size of the crowd just was surprising to them. They had not been a headliner in a long time. They'd been on the Journey tour with Journey and been you know their first opener. But we had headlined them, and there was a lot of people that came out to see them, and they were just surprised and excited and did a great job i always look forward to that list each year of the bands that are available for us to bring in i know right (laughs) that's fun yep that's fun we talked about bike night you mentioned that as uh uh, one of the uh, big events that that you do Mm -hmm. as well and just the the number of motorcycles that come down there um you do four a year why do why do we just do four Well, for two reasons. Number one, Fort Myers does a bike night as well, and we alternate months with them. Oh, okay. So we didn't want to capitalize, and they do one in their downtown River District, and we do the opposite month of them. That's item number one. Number two, the more frequent you do it, the less special it becomes, Mm -hmm. I think. And we do take the summer off primarily because it's rainy season and it's hard to do an outdoor event in that time. But the size of the crowd in October and April, April knowing, well, this is the last one for a while, and October going, man, I'm really glad bike night's back, uh, tend to indicate to us keeping it at four keeps it special. And it's just it's just flat out hot. You know, I, I have a Harley, and riding in the summer is just almost uncomfortable. Tough, right. It is uncomfortable. So the last one is going to be in April. What's that date? Uh, April 14th is our last bike night of the season. So that it's and it's held downtown. Downtown on Forty Seventh Terrace, which is just north of Cape Coral Parkway, one street north, and it's in between uh, Coronado and Vincennes. Now, one piece of apparatus that we've made a lot of use of um, at our special events is the portable stage. Yeah. Tell us about that whole acquisition and why you thought it was important to buy this stage. Well, surprisingly, when I was looking at this position. And I saw that the city had that asset. I realized that's that's the key. When you don't have uh, the capital assets to do big time events or do special events, then you're having to spend a lot of resources and money to rent that stuff to bring it in. Um, the city stage is is a key component to being able to support not only concerts and national acts, but it's also important to have for our city dignitaries and our minor level events or our community stage events as well. So ideally having that asset, that piece of capital to be able to utilize not only for our city, and I don't know if citizens realize this, but it rents. It rents frequently 
to outside events in the region from Fort Myers all the way down to Miramar Outlets all the way over to uh, LaBelle for different other festivals because we're one of the only ones within close proximity that have that kind of capacity stage. The other close competitors that we have are in Tampa and they rent it at a much higher rate than we offer it as the city. And certainly if a city citizen would like that stage, it's even rented at a non-resident rate. So, I mean, ideally, it really supports a lot of events throughout this region. And that stage will be supporting the uh, next event that's coming up, which is the Sounds of Jazz and Blues. And that's kind of what I want to wrap our interview up with, okay. is talking about the Sounds of Jazz and Blues. That's next Saturday, March 24th. Yep. Uh, tell us about the headliner and some of the supporting bands. Okay. Steve Oliver is our headliner at 9. We are using Duke Danger. We're using Groove Therapy and Deb and the Dynamics, which are some powerful regional and local acts. And then we're headlining it with Steve Oliver. Sounds of Jazz and Blues had a 20-year run had a 20-year run, and uh, we had to put it on hiatus for a couple of years. And, and, the, t- and tell the listeners why. As, well, as the budget downturn occurred, and we folks had started to change formats in some of the radio, we lost the jazz station, which was our radio supporter. Um, we put that event on a little bit of a hiatus after 20 years. Good time to take a pause. Um, the reaction to having it come back was overwhelming. And so with that two-year hiatus, and, you know, it gets a special twist again, you know, it it reinvigorates people to want to come and see it, number one. And then number two, that beautiful resort at Marina Village. Great venue. And, you know, as a part of our support of that resort and the economic development that's going on down there, you know, this was a great fit for this event. This location, the support we're going to be getting from the resort for the food and the scrumptious food and and beverages that are going to be coming out of there. It's going to be an, uh, it's going to take this event to the next level, I believe. And you slashed the general admission ticket prices significantly. We did. We we wanted to uh, create an opportunity for folks to to be able to come and see this this event. So our ten dollar general admission uh, is all it costs to get in the event. The resort at Marina Village is providing all food and beverage, which you can purchase in the venue. Also, they're doing a VIP ticket for what we used to charge in 2009. Our, our Sounds of Jazz and Blues ticket used to be a, about a $20, $25 ticket. We cut it to 10 to maybe encourage people to go ahead and take advantage of that VIP ticket at 25 bucks, which includes their food and beverage, so they don't have to worry about bringing coolers and things like that. And that is one thing that you're not going to be allowed to bring in coolers. Right. A little bit of a change. You know, that was one of our agreements with Marina Village that they would handle all food and beverage. So some people who historically came to that event who brought coolers will not be allowed to this time, but I think we fixed it. Now, if you want to order tickets for The Sounds of Jazz, you can do that online at www.capeconcerts.com. We'll be talking to Todd later on this year with some of these other special events. So we do appreciate Todd coming in and joining us, and we'll talk to you next time, Todd. Thank you, Connie. All right, we'll see you next week on Cape Cast. I'm Connie Barron.